Hey listeners, did you know that Yogi Triathlete offers endurance coaching for body and mind? We offer personalized training plans for endurance sports, wellness and mindset, nutrition and recovery guidance, and race preparation and strategy, all within the supportive community of Team Yogi Triathlete. So if you're ready to conquer your fitness goals and push your limits, our endurance coaches are ready to guide you on the journey to peak performance. Go to yogitriathlete.com today to set up your free 30-minute discovery call and embrace a future of strength, stamina, and achievement. Your goals, our experience, the perfect match for unstoppable success. Human beings are unlimited in our capacities and our potentials. We all have unlimited capacity within ourselves to expand and to ultimately, you know, realize the highest within ourselves. And because we all have unlimited potentials and capacities and we all have a soul, we all have our own special gifts that we came into the world to offer to humanity. And if we don't do that, we're not really fulfilled or we're not really satisfied. Races as a great vehicle for us as individuals to bring out the best in ourselves. Because if you you can go out running by yourself and it's beautiful to do that, but to go beyond yourself to run your fastest time or to run longer than you've run before or whatever the act of transcendence is. When we're together, we're we're stronger and it, we we push ourselves more. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 395 of the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and BJ. Thank you for tuning in. We're happy to have you with us alongside our guest today, Harita Davies. We connected with Harita last month after she completed the 3,100-mile self-transcendence foot race in New York after 51 days, 16 hours, 42 minutes, and 11 seconds. This was her fourth finish. Founded in 1997 by Sri Chinmoy, the self-transcendence event is the world's longest certified race, although the course itself may surprise you. Sri Chinmoy was an Indian spiritual leader who moved to New York City in 1964 to teach meditation and spirituality. He lived a life dedicated to serving humanity, and he was also an athlete who valued athletics as an essential piece of a balanced spiritual life. From my research... His legacy in sport began with running, but in the end, it far surpassed this single sport in his later years before Sri moved on from this world. He blew away humanity with his epic feats of strength in weightlifting, and his marathon team has since moved into marathon swimming and triathlon events worldwide. But as I continue to learn, he didn't draw the line at meditation athletics. He was also an artist, a musician, and so much more. We're sitting down with Harita in person at the Sri Shinmoy Center in San Diego after sharing a beautiful lunch at Jyoti Bianga, the oldest vegetarian restaurant in San Diego and a part of the center. It was absolutely delicious. Oh my gosh. We're so excited to dive into this conversation and see where it takes us. I see at this point that the possibilities are endless. Harita, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm... Just trying to come out of the really chill vibe in this place right now. Looking at this artwork and listening to the music. Um, And there's so much we want to dive into with the physical aspects of things. But let's check in with how you're doing um, post-run. Because you recently completed it, 3,100 miles. Mm -hmm. Um, How are you doing physically and mentally? 
I think I'm doing pretty well considering. Yeah, this is my fourth time doing it. So it's my fourth time also recovering from <laughs> doing the race. And so, um, you know, anyone who's an athlete knows that, um, yeah, the first time you do a marathon, your body's like, oh my God, you know, what am I, how am I going to recover from this? And then the more you do, your body kind of has like some stored up um, resources of like what it has to do to recover. So I think it's like that. And I've also really learned that you just have to um, have to really give yourself time. Yeah, it's a long time to be doing the same thing and then to be kind of coming back into the world. Um, yeah, just to kind of... Um, Sri Chimwai said that um, his advice was to eat voraciously and, <laughs> and while eating to really offer your gratitude to the Supreme that you, you know, had the opportunity to do something like this. And so that's um, I've really seen that the eating part comes pretty naturally and easily. And, the, you know, I lost 20 pounds. I usually lose about 20 pounds doing it. So it's, yeah, I've put most of that back on now. <laughs> um, but the gratitude is, um, you know, as we're more and more aware of gratitude is just like this magical quality to enhance our lives in every way. So I really, really, this time I've really tried to focus on that and yeah, just be, you know, just not expect too much of myself mm. and just to be really grateful for everything. So I think I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. Does it help to be out in Southern California in the sun and <laughs> sand? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. one of the, I think your nerves are, for me, that that they take the longest time to heal. Like you just, it's, yeah, you can't really handle stress too much or anything too intense. So it's definitely nice to be here. Well, tell us about what. Tell us about this race. I think we should just dive right into like what is what does it entail? How long has it been going on? And um, what have you taken away from it? Let's start with the, what it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This, um, there's so many things you could say about the race. So it's, uh, it's been happening for 27 years. So this, this race that we just did was the 27th edition of it. Um, and it's happened. Yeah. Um, actually every year, amazingly. And, um, it's, yeah, 3,100 miles. And Ashri Chimway was born in 1931. So the number 31 to him was, um, a significant number. People always ask why 3,100 miles. It happens to be just short of 5,000 kilometers, which is quite handy because, um, a lot of people, they'll do the race and then you just have to run, um, 13 more laps and you've finished 5,000 kilometers. Yeah. So most people do that because if you've already run, you know, that far, you might as well. It's around a, um, a loop um, in Jamaica, Queens, which is just over half a mile. So you have to run, yeah, 5,600 and something times around that loop to, to finish the race. Um, it says there's a school inside that loop called Thomas Edison High School. There's a um, playground, there's a handball courts, there's a big um, like soccer field, uh, and there's no houses on that loop. So there's no driveways and there's no roads coming into it. So it's um, it's a really it's a really good loop in that way. A lot of and a lot of people come out there walking and as well as all of the school children. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What kind of weather did you encounter uh, in this most recent one? Yeah, so um, 
you know, one interesting thing is that for, for the first 25 or 24 years, I guess, this race was held in the middle of summer. It was always held in, um, it would always start on Father's Day. So it was like kind of June, July, August. So it was always like heat waves and everything. They just moved it to um, September um initially after COVID and then as the weather has got hotter over the years, it's, there's been a, it's been a bit more scary like with the heat waves and for the directors I'd be kind of nervous. So so the, the, now the weather is cooler but um, we had, August was really mild in New York and then when the race started there was a heat wave for like the first 10 days of the race. So <laughs> we thought, oh, it's going to be such nice weather and then it was totally hot for, yeah, I think about 10 days and um, – and then we also had huge amounts of rain, like a lot of rain that was just kind of relentless and went on and on. So, um, yeah, those were, those were challenging. It never got too cold, so that was good because, um, you know, it finishes in uh, mid-October, so it could get pretty cold. But those were, I guess those were the main, yeah, weather features of this race. So all of the races um, are the self-transcendence races. Mm -hmm. So for somebody who's curious about how you would define what self-transcendence is, like what was the, you know, the, uh, the concept behind it that really fueled this whole athletic uh, events, all these events that are now across the world, like what is self-transcendence? So self-transcendence is really going beyond yourself and being the best that, you know, being the best that you can be or doing the best that you can do. And Sri Chinmoy, his life was dedicated to peace. His um, philosophy was always founded on world peace starting on an individual level. So he gave tremendous significance and importance to each one of us as individuals, really taking responsibility for ourselves and our own peace and feeling that if we can have peace in our lives, peace and happiness and fulfillment all all go together. Um, he really felt you really can't be happy without peace and you can't be peaceful without happiness. Then if we can find, you know, if we can really find peace inside ourselves, then we are really contributing to making the world more peaceful. And he felt that human beings are unlimited in our capacities and our potentials. We, we all have unlimited capacity within ourselves to, um, to expand and to ultimately, you know, realize the highest within ourselves. And that because we all have unlimited potentials and capacities and we all have a soul, we all have um, we all have our own special gifts that we came into the world to offer to humanity. And if we don't do that, we're not really fulfilled or we're not really satisfied. So um, if we just stay the same, you know, we're not really going to feel fulfillment. We're not really going to feel real happiness and real satisfaction. And I think um, that's somewhere that the world can often go a little wrong at the moment is that people really sort of look for this life of ultimate comfort, you know, and think that that will make them happy. You know, if you have all these things and you have this perfect, you know, you have all the money that you need and everything, but then people get all of these things and they feel that find themselves quite unsatisfied. And um, so self-transcendence is really recognizing and the philosophy of the self-transcendence races is really recognizing that real happiness and fulfillment will really only come from constantly expanding ourselves and going beyond our capacity and going beyond where we are now and kind of tapping into the thrill and you know deep sense of satisfaction you get when you do 
push yourself and struggle. And anybody who's a marathon's the best, you know, a- analogy of that because it's something that people, um, everybody knows about marathons. Everyone knows that it's. Um, you, you have to struggle to run a marathon. No matter how many marathons you run, it's never going to be easy to run a marathon. And, you know, most people, the first time they do it, it's just awful, you know, and yet they go out and do it again and again, you know. And now you see humanity. I mean, I was just – I live in New York. I just went to um, – to chair on to, to chair in Queens for the New York City Marathon, fifty thousand people. You know, running a marathon. I mean, it's just so thrilling that you know that running a marathon has now become something that really anybody feels that they can do if they set their mind to it, and they want to because they just feel so good when they do. And now, ultra marathon running has become such a big thing, and that's. Yeah, to me, that's just, it's all based on the, the sense of satisfaction that you get when you transcend yourself. And so it's not competing, it's about not, that the goal is not to compete with anybody else, but the goal is to compete with yourself. But if we do things together in a race, then it inspires us to bring forward the best in ourselves. So Sri Chimwe saw races um, as you know, as a great vehicle for um, for us as individuals to bring out the best in ourselves. Because if you, you can go out running by yourself and it's beautiful to do that, but um, to really do, yeah, to, to go beyond yourself, to run your fastest time or um, to run longer than you run before or whatever the act of transcendence is, when, you're t- when we're together, we're, we're stronger and it really, we, we push ourselves more. So yeah, he loved, um, and there's you know there's many aspects but he he loved the um running as an analogy for life as well so he spoke a lot about the inner running and the outer running and that if we um if we run outwardly the qualities that we get benefit our our inner life as well in in terms of becoming a better person a deeper person you know having more peace and then likewise if we practice meditation if we you know inwardly you know grow and nourish ourselves in those inner qualities will really help us in our outer running also which is what you guys are all about with yogi triathlete so it's perfect (laughs) i know it is it, it is what we're all about it truly is and because we're like you we're living it you know and i do remember and i'm grateful that i remember i remember a time before meditation and um I feel really grateful to feel so strong in my resolve that I, there there will not be another life here for me in this lifetime where there is no meditation. Like it, it's just such a non-negotiable. It's you know my one of my favorite times of the day, just waking up and knowing that I get to just be still. But it wasn't always like that, um, and so. Well, before I ask you that, because I know we'll get into your meditation story, I, I want to stay with the race. Um, in this particular race, the 2023 race that you just did, do you come up against... Self-transcendence seems like such a big thing, but I also think it's like in all the little things too, right? The mental preferences, um, you know, it's raining. Maybe you don't... There's a voice in the head that says it doesn't want it to rain. Like, Did you come up against those sort of obstacles throughout your day um or is it is it just more smooth for you what's the what's the is there a mental battle is there not a mental battle sure I mean yeah of course you know because it's life this race is yeah and we're human beings we're not perfect you know and I've done this race a few times but um 
it's like anybody who practices meditation. It's like, oh, so now you've been doing meditation for a few years. Do you just like, I guess you just sit there and you don't have to worry about your thoughts. And you're like, no, you have to like battle with your thoughts every day, you know. And um, yeah, you know, this there's, there's every every moment is challenging, but at every moment at the same time, um, I guess from my practice of meditation, then I really have a lot more confidence that there is a higher force that's guiding the whole experience and that I just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other and, you know, just doing my best and, um, and having faith that it's, um, it is part of a flow and that the challenges are meant to be there and the obstacles are meant to be there. Like in life, you can't avoid obstacles. You know, if you <laughs> if you try to live a life without obstacles or, you know, then you're just going to constantly run into them. But if you just embrace them as part of life and know that they're going to help to make you stronger and that you will be given, if you face them, that you do have the capacity within yourself to overcome them, it, it, you know, and it, you, it won't always be obvious, and it definitely will never be easy. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's all it's all part of the journey. Yeah. Comparing the first one to the fourth one that you've completed, like, do you feel? better knowing what to expect or was it easier going into that first one not knowing <laughs> what to expect um probably a little bit of both but um yeah at the same time I think that there's a lot of strength and confidence and there's a lot of strength and faith and so um the first time I did it I well for me actually the first time I did it I really I don't think I'm like everybody but I really didn't have any expectation of finishing it and I still actually never have any expectation of finishing it when I'm doing it um I just that one I just I really had such a feeling in my heart to do it and so I thought I would just start it and if I lasted three days I would be happy with myself (laughs) so um so yeah that race um you know, it was a miracle for me to finish, but every every race is a miracle. And this this race was the one that I had done the least amount of um, training. I'd kind of had an, uh, a bit of an injury for like about, <laughs> since the last time I did the 3100. So um, it really, in many ways, seemed, um, seemed crazy that I was doing the race this year. Um, but I had a feeling to do it, so I had no expectation of what was going to happen to me. So... Um, yeah, it was just as much a miracle as the first time, um, but just as challenging in many ways. Um, but there's definitely, uh, yeah, I think I think a kind of confidence, even though I wasn't at all confident that I would finish it, just kind of a confidence that um, there was a higher force guiding it, and that my my role was really just to as mu- as much as I could just to keep putting one foot in front of the other, stay as cheerful as I could, and just to do my best and to place the results at God's feet. So you mentioned faith a few times too here, just having that trust and not, mm. and especially with injuries, mm. not looking at the evidence of now, but in something else, something different, something higher. Um, where does that come from? Uh, well, that comes from my practice of meditation, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, and from and from something that um, that I just I just know that 
it's how I get through my life. You know, this race is just like a really, really intensified, condensed version of life. And so everything that you need for life, you need in this race, but you need it in a more intense way. And that's kind of what makes it so beautiful and gives you the, a real, a very deep experience, I think, because for me to get through life, I know that, um, you know, my from my life experience, I know that I, you know, need to stay positive. I know that I need to have gratitude. I know that I need to have faith. And um, I know that I need to put in, you know, some work myself. You know, I can't just expect to wake up happy every day. I need to practice my meditation. I need to do my physical exercise, eat well. I know all those things. But, you know, at the same time, you can kind of, um, in regular life, um, you're not like on a intense schedule all the time, but in this race, you really are. So that really, to me, that really amplifies the need to remember those those spiritual qualities as being the you know the absolute foundation for every moment of you being able to do it. Which is a great. It's a real. It's very intense because mm. it's like so, yeah, such a an intense kind of time frame. But um, at the same time, it's a real blessing to not have to do think about anything else. You just have to focus on at every moment, just putting one foot in front of the other and covering the miles that you need to cover. Yeah, I think that's um, as athletes, and we work with a lot of athletes too in the endurance realm, not the thirty-one. They, uh, 3,100 miles or 52 mm. days, but it's that, uh, it's that practice of what the mind is most familiar with. And so as you progress in deeper, deeper into an endurance sports, the body and the mind get tired and will default to what you practice. So again, if you're not practicing the elements of, I wouldn't say controlling the mind, but cr- finding that relationship with the mind understanding mm-hmm. the thoughts, mm-hmm. I'm sure you you may have witnessed some other runners or some other athletes that may have not managed it as well and and, and fed into the mm, the doubt and the fear mm-hmm. and then you see that um, take a different direction. So, um, I guess my question is how how important is that? How important is it to have that outside practice so that in those moments when you're butting up against that fear and doubt that you know that you're going to be able to stay the course even though you're depleted on calories by really fatigued, maybe even working through some injury during these, mm-hmm. these races. Mm, yeah. You always get injuries. <laughs> Basically you've always got some kind of injury happening. <laughs> you can't not, I'm assuming, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine doing the race without a practice of meditation. I would never have the confidence to, you know, to even consider it. And so for me, that's, yeah, that's everything. And people who, um, you know, some people who do, you know, start the race and complete, you know, complete it or take part in it, at least without a practice of meditation, I'm like, well, they're, they're really brave, <laughs> you know, they're braver than me because I would never even, I'm like, wow, why are they here? You know, like what would make you like, yeah, you know, and also, you know, so many people say, how do you not get bored? You know, like how could you not get bored? Like running around the same place and seeing the same thing. And I, boredom doesn't really come into it, you know, you know, mostly to me, but I would imagine that if you didn't have a, you know, a strong spiritual practice, then that would be a lot harder. Yeah. Because controlling, like controlling your mind or, you know, I learned meditation with Sri Chinmoy. And so he, his, you know, his basis of his philosophy was to like, 
go into the heart and to and to really try to live from the heart and so not to be um not to be like kind of stuck on trying to control the thoughts of the mind but to take yourself somewhere else and that the heart is where is the home of your soul the home of your higher self the home of all of your like capacities you know all of your 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 love and your patience and your faith and your humility and you know all the qualities that you need are inside your heart and so if you can bring your focus down from the mind to the heart um like going from the surface of the ocean to the depths of the ocean then you yeah, you can find everything you need there. Yeah, very similar to how we've been taught meditation and and um, it's not about stopping the thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. the mind is a thought producing machine. So mm-hmm. if you're having thoughts, well, then mm-hmm. your mind is working. That's great. But it's training yourself to put your awareness on something other than all of those thoughts. Yes. Um, and something that I've found uh, over the years, and it wasn't at first, but it's definitely sustained now, is you know when it gets really difficult in a race, or the body is starting to break down, and you know you've got that voice that's like you know just throw in the towel. Um, I find that there's like this, I don't know, I guess I call her like my meditative self. Like she's just there. Like Mm -hmm. it's not like motivation that's like fleeting and never there when you need it, you know, but there's just this, it's like this uh, stability. It's this foundation of stability and Mm -hmm. calmness where even amid all, you know, thoughts of, you know, pain or suffering that I can, you know, I can tap into that. And I'm curious of how it, how your meditative self or your supreme self, how how you've been able to identify it showing up in, in races and in tough moments. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess a little in a similar way that there is just I have yeah, I, I think also knowing that that's who I really am. Yeah, it's like know? there's something else available yes. to you and that one feels more like home. Yeah, and um, I guess I would, you know, say that's my that my soul is my higher self. And um, Sri Chinmoy talked about us all as human beings having kind of five parts to our being, like the the body's like the youngest member of the family. Then there's the mind, <laughs> and then there's the vital, and then there's the heart, and then there's the soul. And they're all like members of the same family, and we need to kind of bring them all together and bring light into all of them. And so when we do these races, it's kind of an incredible opportunity to do that because you need all all these parts of your being and we need them, you know, we need them all to be working together. The vitals kind of like the engine where all your energy comes from. And then the mind, you know, needs to have peace. And then the body is just like, yeah, the body just needs to keep going. The body's always like, ah, you know, so, and then the soul is just like the, you know, the grandparent, like the wisest, the grandparent or like the baby, you know, like the newborn child at the same time, just kind of like the, you know, with all of the, all of the wisdom of the divinity of the of the universe you know the you know the part of yourself that's connected with the with god or with the universal consciousness and you know has all of the wisdom and um and all of the all of the divine qualities that you that you need to do it and um yeah one interesting way that i've sort of felt of like identifying with my soul i guess is that you, when you're doing this race, you know that your body is really suffering and you know that your mind is really suffering. And 
yet you feel this kind of happiness, you know, <laughs> this like, and you're like, how could I feel happy? And people look at you and they're like, wow, you just look so happy. And you're like, well, my mind is having a really, really hard time and my body is like really suffering. So the happiness is clearly not coming from my body or from my mind. So it has to be coming from my soul, you know? So that's, so clearly my soul is really enjoying this experience. (laughs) (laughs) Just watching it all go down. Yeah. I love that idea of all the the five parts. um, And that's some advice that I've received from my teacher going into a race years ago. I remember I would, you know, have a session with him and, okay, what's my, what's my spiritual strategy for this Ironman? And I remember one time he said, your only your only focus for this whole race is to get all your faculties moving in the same direction, mm-hmm. which is probably very much what you were right. just talking about. Get everybody, get the whole crew going in the same direction. And mm-hmm. he said, and you will have flow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that just comes down to letting the soul guide you, right? And then just, yeah, and then, and then focusing just kind of, yeah, Putting your focus in your soul, whether you whether you can feel it or not, and just knowing, having that faith, that knowing, because you know, so often in life we we we're not aware, we're not able to, you know, we're not able to tap into that divinity within ourselves. We're not able to feel it. We just kind of feel um, all we can all we can identify with is our mind or our body, and um, but just knowing that even if you even if you can't identify with it or you can't feel it, that it is it is there and it is guiding you and it is taking care of everything and you just are going through the human experience. Yeah, and the, the mind and body are so obvious yes. and they're so loud. Mm. And you look in a mirror and all you see is the body. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it makes sense that we're so identified with these things and they're loud and they cry and they scream and they complain and they get hurt and they need to be rested and fed and cleaned and all of this stuff, all the while that more supreme, higher mind self is just <laughs> happy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly that, that. That was a realization at one point that I had during the 3100 was just that how deeply we identify with our minds and our bodies. Like as soon as you wake up in the morning, you're like, how am I? And your how, how am I is basically like, how does your body feel? Or, you know, like, oh, I've got a headache or I've got a stomach ache or I've, you know, I've got like sore legs or, you know, or I'm stressed, I'm angry about something, I'm upset about something, you know, which is all coming from the mind. And that's, those are our like how we de- identify with how we are from the moment we wake up. But actually, if we say like, "Oh, that's just my body, my mind, and my body," I'm actually my soul. So, <laughs> how's my soul today? You know, <laughs> then you'll probably most of the time be like, "Oh, my soul's like excited about a new day." Yeah, it's like, "Oh, hey, thanks for inviting me to the party. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm all good over here." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's that cultivation. It's the cultivation time and again from from the sitting practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. It's it's like it's bringing this really quiet, although ever powerful self, more into like having more robustness within this life of humans, mm-hmm. you know, on mm-hmm. this in this world. Um, 
So, how many pairs of shoes did you go through? Yeah, this- <laughs> let's, let's bring let's bring it back, folks. You're welcome. How many <laughs> pairs of shoes did you go through? <laughs> so, so this race I think was like a record in the amount of shoes. Like I think it was uh, in the lower amount. I mean, I think it was um, yeah about thirteen pairs of shoes. How do you know when it's time? To change my shoes? Yeah. Like, do you go by miles or no, obviously not because it changes. Yeah. So do you go by feel? Like, how do you know? Yeah. Shoes are for basically any 3,100 runner, you can talk to them about shoes and they'll be like, because <laughs> your shoes, you know, like there's all these companies that spend billions of dollars on making shoes and you really never find a pair of shoes that you're happy with. I haven't anyway. And so they really are very very difficult part of the race because your feet are just so not enjoying (laughs) the fact that you're running on them like you know 18 hours a day yeah so um um yeah that so basically you might always in your regular life wear a particular kind of shoes but in this race those shoes might not work at all I mean in my regular life I like really minimal shoes like zero shoes but I obviously can't wear anything like that in this race I've got different um, different shoes that I've used I started off the race with it's usually good to have a few different brands because just to give some variety to the bottom of your feet because you're um, you know you're running so much so I started off with three different um, brands of shoes um, but then after if I can't remember at some point I got an Achilles injury. Did I get an Achilles injury? Oh no, I got a tendon injury. <laughs> I got a yeah, I got a tendon on the front of my leg actually. Um and then I felt like um that there was one brand which was ultras that were maybe better than the other one. So then um I actually ran the whole rest of the race just in ultra so I had some other shoes my new balance shoes and another brand that I was using that I didn't it's not like the shoes were worn out but I didn't use them anymore yeah and then and then with the so then I've never done the race for so long in just one brand of shoe um but yeah, that just kind of seemed to be working for me so then at some point I would I would usually have um three to four pairs of shoes in rotation in one day. So I have three breaks each day and then I would wear each pair of shoes for, um, you know, for a quarter of the day. And then so that the shoes, it's actually quite important to give the shoes some rest so then they can maintain their, um, uh, you know, maintain some of the cushion that they have more easily. So I'd be constantly, yeah, changing them around. Then of course it rained a lot. So your shoes are getting wet and, um, the the rain is um is a challenge for blisters and for the skin on your bottom of your feet but it's also a challenge for um like your the all of the small tendons in your feet because your shoes get heavier and then it's just like extra weight that you're you know tendons that are already really sensitive are carrying so a lot of people that's one thing when it when it rains is that you want to keep changing your shoes so that you're um not running in these really heavy wet mm-hmm. shoes yeah, it, it, I'm, I mean, there's a load of questions we can go down the road with shoes in, <laughs> yeah. in that, yeah. that area, um, but it just shows the importance of of taking care of your feet because yes. if that gets if that is not taken care of, then you're yes. pretty much I don't know what you're doing hand, handstand the whole way, or yes. <laughs> like you're, trying to figure it out. Yes. Uh, do you have 
massage therapists and people on hand to kind of help with the body and flushing it out? Is that a possibility? Or um, A little. We're like a little, yeah, this race, you know, you'd think you'd have like the best massage therapist yeah. in the world. and Not really, you know, if there's anyone who wants to come and volunteer next year, go for it, you know. Um, we have some, we definitely have some people and I have, um, I had like personal helpers who would, mm-hmm. you know, help me with that. Um, yeah, you're definitely, you know, your feet get the hardest time and they like you said foot care is really really important so people you know have things that they um that they do for their feet and um that's yeah that's important and i yeah you, at the end of the race your feet are just like oh I, yeah my feet my toes get blisters on the ends of them really easily and so my toes were like yeah definitely not in very good shape for most of the race but i was yeah i was I've always been lucky, I think, in pretty much every race at the bottom of my feet I've managed to take really good care of and I haven't got blisters. Some people have got terrible blisters. Mm. Some people have even had to pull out, you know, because of the blisters that they get on the bottom of their feet. So, yeah, toes you can deal with, but the bottom of your feet, if you get bad blisters, then it's it's hard for them to heal. And that's, yeah. And that has nothing to do with fitness either. Nothing. That has nothing to do with fitness. It doesn't matter if you can complete it, if you physically can't step down on your foot. Right. Yeah, it's so debilitating. Yeah. Especially adding the rain element to it. Yeah. As well. And then it gets humid in New York, super humid. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, what about nutrition? I'm going to talk on a little bit about nutrition. What did you like? Do you have a plan going into something like this or is it kind of like whatever I'm craving, I'm just going to grab and, and eat? Like, what's your game plan? Yeah, so I'm vegetarian. Um, the, all of the food supplied to the race is vegetarian. Um, there's an incredible team of people cooking food for us in the race. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, the amount of food and the variety and the love and care that goes into into the food. And probably working in the kitchen is, you know, pretty close to running the race, the challenge of it. You know, people get up at like 2.30 in the morning and start cooking, you know, and then it goes until the end of the day. So there's a lot of food that's um, that's on offer. I always have like, you know, some degree of a plan, but I know that, um, yeah, the feet are a challenge, but the stomach for me and for um, for everyone, the stomach's a challenge. For women, the stomach is always more of a challenge. Um, there's like a variety of reasons for that that we could go into if you want to, but anyway, it's just a fact. And um, so, yeah, you know, like I said, I usually lose about 20 pounds and you could think, oh, this is like an incredible opportunity to eat anything you want. And idea and it, you know in theory it is but in reality your stomach becomes so sensitive that there's so many foods that you would normally love that you can't eat and I'm you know I'm like a nightmare for my helpers <laughs> to, to feed because they see me kind of like losing weight and I'm like it's so hard for me to eat um I you know I try to like eat as much alkaline food as possible try to obviously get like you know get really good electrolytes and um eat as much protein as I can and um simple foods um eating yeah, eating regularly. Um, I take some kind of supplements, but you can also get supplements can be hard for your body to digest as well. And they can be kind of trouble too. So it's kind of finding that balance between, you know, usually I have someone doing kinesiology who can tell me actually what my body 
what's useful because otherwise, you know, everyone will bring you out hundreds of dollars worth of the most incredible, you know, advanced scientifically advanced supplements, and you're like, you know, you know, I mean, the sup the you know the supplement world is in athletics yeah. is out of control, and um, so yeah, you could be taking all these things that are you know cost so much money and are supposed to be good for you, and they you know you're like, I don't know if this is helping me at all. The main thing is to really try to get yeah good protein and carbohydrates and um calories really yeah so just for our listeners it goes from 12 uh six in the morning till 12 at night Mm -hmm. typically right but Mm -hmm. you can sleep into into the day if you need more sleep right or do you have to get up and every day start at 6 a.m you have to be at the start line at 6 Mm -hmm, mm a.m and then to um (laughs) yeah there's no sleeping in yeah no snooze (laughs) you don't need to yeah you don't need to stay until midnight but to finish the race you need to average 59 miles a day so if you depending on where you are you know most people stay out fairly late because even if you're um even if you're ahead of that usually people would want to try to finish early so the world record holder for the race um his name is Ashbrihanal Alto he's from Finland he averaged when he broke the world record he did it in 41 days and he averaged 77 miles a day yeah (laughs) wow that's so impressive um Oh, there's so much I want to get into, but I, I do have two follow-up questions, just little questions. You, did I get that right? That you didn't get, you didn't have any blisters on your feet? On the bottom of my feet, On the no. bottom of your feet. No, on, just do on you, my, just on my toes, I did have Do you use some. like a salve or do you, what do you, what do you use? Yeah, so um, usually oiling your feet is the best thing. Oh. Mm. What kind of oil do you use? Uh, sesame oil, coconut oil in um, summer. Coconut oil is cooling, and then like yes. sesame oil. That sounds olive very oil Ayurvedic, of course. Warming. Yeah, oil your feet. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and you know, like, but a mixture. But often I would have like some kind of thing that's a mixture of like more like a thicker kind of um, you know combination of oils. Yeah, often something Ayurvedic that is. Um, that has a mixture of different oils in it and maybe some herbs and stuff, like a more like a salve that's made from oils. But um, I used to always um, oil them. And then also um, in the summer we would um, use cornstarch a lot. Cornstarch is like the kind of secret friend of a lot of ultra runners because it's really drying. Um, So I always in the races use cornstarch, especially in the summer because it helps to kind of really absorb the moisture, like if your feet are sweating. But um, in this race, I was doing that in the beginning and then I stopped using the cornstarch and just used the, yeah, like oh, oil. I like, mm-hmm. I'm glad I asked that question. Um, now, do you make the oil remedy or do you so buy I, it somewhere? Um, I have a friend who makes, yeah, makes Sounds things. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I want I'm not, some yeah, foot yeah, oil but, with herbs in it, please. <laughs> yeah. Put my order in. <laughs> yeah. 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 We get, you know, there's always kind of things going around that are like, this is the secret one that is going to help you, is going to solve all your problems. Yeah. So, there's no like there's trademarked like, name label on there. It's just, 
yeah. like someone that, whipping something up in their kitchen. Yeah, something like that squirrel nut, if you've yeah. used that oh, thing. Like that's that. good, we love squirrels nut butter. Okay, so that kind of thing, if I don't have something that's made by like, you know, some person who's specially making things mm-hmm. for the 3100 race, then I would use that. And um, and what was, like, what were some of the, I know we talked about the food, but we didn't talk about like specifically, like what was working for you this time, like rice or soup or nothing or, or gels, like what, what actually, what was the food that you were able to get in? I mean, I know yeah. it's 52 days, yeah. so there's a lot that's happening between August 30th and October 20th, yeah. which is crazy. You guys listening, can you just imagine that you start <laughs> a race on August 30th and you're not going to be done. Forget about se- September. That's done. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's absorbed. <laughs> like you're not done until October 20th. Um, yeah. but what were some of the things that you found, um, like like what are your tried and true? Yeah. Like, so smoothies. I mean, I could sort of say like basically what I might have, you know, in a day. Like I would start the day with a smoothie. I was always having green smoothies for like the first um, month or something. And then I got really sick of those. So then I started having like a cacao kind of peanut butter sort of that kind of thing. But I have like a, you know, like a protein, you know, like a really good protein mix that I'd put in it. And then I would always have some greens and um nut butter I don't know like a pretty substantial kind of smoothie at the start of the day and um and then um I would have um I was eating eggs I wasn't eating eggs in the beginning and then I was eating like eggs like eggs avocado on toast I was kind of having that like for a few weeks and then at one at one point yeah probably after about four weeks I was like I'm so sick of eggs and avocado on toast it's slimy and disgusting and I don't want it anymore ever again. <laughs> yeah ever again yeah take I was it like, away why was I having the same thing for so long yeah yeah then I got into having just egg for a while which I you know that was good um but um avocados in general are a really good food to have like having those on toast um actually like cheese on toast is quite an and you know any kind of like version of sandwiches with kind of bread and cheese is actually like surprisingly easy to digest you know with some avocado tomato or um I don't know different things like that um Soups, I was having like a miso kind of soup. Mm. I really like that stuff. Pumpfu, I don't know if you know that. It's like a pumpkin seed version of tofu. So it's high in protein and fat and it's um, not so into soy things so Ooh, much. What's so it called? Pumpfu. 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 Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check that so out. Pumpfu. I have that with miso soup with that. Put and that with on some, the list. Um, <laughs> with some... Um, Seaweed, you know, is a good thing. In mm. things, I don't really, I can't eat anything dry. Nuts are really good, but I'd have to have them like blended up or something. I'm really not good with dry things. Some people can eat crackers and that kind of thing. Um, you know, some some fruit, like I would eat um, mangoes. I have an Ayurvedic doctor who um, tells me that I have to eat a mango every day um, when I'm doing the race because they make you really strong. They actually, um, I don't. If you eat mangoes every day, you don't need to take an iron supplement. Uh, I don't need to. I personally don't Put need that to. That's, on the list. That's not the same for everybody. Yeah. Um, so those are my like you know yeah secret strengthening kind of food. Um, yeah, surprisingly Chinese food I find really easy to eat. Rice is definitely. I don't in my regular life I don't eat so much rice, but yeah, that would be one thing that I would find. Yeah, quite like the way that the you know vegetables with tofu and rice is quite good. I'm really not into like bars and um, gels and stuff for this race. Generally, I would 
eat maybe eat bars and races, but not gels. They're too strong for me. But yeah, and the and the race, like, they're too dense. I, it's really hard for me to eat dense things. One thing that thirty one hundred runners really have a lot of is ice cream. Whether it's regular ice cream or vegan ice cream or whatever, it's a um, it's a really good way to get a lot of calories and very easy to digest. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. It sounds smooth. Oh, good. Well, thank you for sharing. It sounds like a delicious uh, menu of food. <laughs> yeah, but it's that 3,100 miles uh, in order to get that buffet. Um, let's back up to, I want to get a little bit of your of your background. Um, you grew up in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. How did you get to New York City as a, you know, devoted meditator and 3,100 mile runner? Like where did it all begin? (laughs) When did meditation come into your life? Okay. So I, um, yeah, I, uh, grew up in New Zealand when I was about 20, just before my 20th birthday, I was, um, I had done some, I, I did quite a lot of sport when I was younger um you know New Zealand is like we often do a lot of sport I did surf lifesaving and water polo were my main sports and um um surf lifesaving is a big sport in New Zealand or bigger than in America and um then I was kind of a depressed teenager and stressed and um I tried I did some I you know did some yoga I like looked into different things looked a bit into different religions and um I always thought meditation looked really boring but then by the time I was 20 I was like I might as well try it because nothing else is working for me because I was pretty yeah I was pretty um depressed about the state of the world and I felt like really you know powerless to do anything about it and um so I went along to a free meditation workshop that was given by the Sri Chinmoy Center I had previously done a tiny bit of meditation and yoga but I usually fell asleep because you were like lying down in a dark room and yeah, so um, that was not good for me. Um, so um, yeah, I went along to a free meditation workshop and immediately I was really attracted to Sri Chinmoy's philosophy. I really loved the fact that he embraced all religions and he um, and that and I really loved um, how much importance that he gave to the power of the individual and that he, you know, he really believed that we could, if we could find, if we wanted to make the world more peaceful, we didn't have to go and do some huge thing, you know, in a war-torn country, you know, that we, that the most powerful thing we could do was to actually start with ourselves and, you know, and that if we could find peace and, you know, if we could meditate and find peace inside ourselves that we were making the world more peaceful. And I was like, well, I can do that, you know, because I just really wanted to be able to do something to help. To, and to me at that point in my life, that was really important. Like, what could I do? And and I also was really, really um, struck by the hope that he had for humanity because I had lost hope for humanity at at that point and um when I like saw him saying that he really believed that um that the world one day will have peace <laughs> that the world is inherently good that we all you know humanity is good and the hope that he re- and I looked at him you know in a video saying that and I was like he really means that and I read his philosophy and that was just gave me so much encouragement and I felt like there's something to live for and so that was really yeah those aspects and then and then also the fact that he he gave so much importance to sport because sport was something that had been important to me as a, as a depressed teenager. I had had certain moments where I, you know, was so depressed like all day and then I would go 
to play a game of water polo and I would feel great afterwards and I'd be like, there's nothing else that made me feel good apart from the sport, you know? So I was, I really saw how sport could really help to bring me out of my depression or whatever. And so I really loved the fact that he gave so much importance to fitness and to sport. And um, yeah, so he, he's talked a lot about the inner running and the outer running. So he, um, at, at that time when I came along, everybody was you know, you meditated and you ran. That's kind of what the street gym my center was about from my like, you know, understanding. And so, yeah, I was like, well, that works for me. I want to, you know, I want to get fitter. I kind of had gotten out of shape. And so I started running. And so my running and meditation have always gone together for me. Like I basically started running as soon as I started meditating. And then pretty soon after I'd been meditating for a less than a year, probably I ran my first marathon and um, I just really saw how the two go together so well and so um I yeah I did um I did a six-day race like in the year 2000 and I ended up doing three six-day races and a 10-day race and um and and then of course coming to America I as a New Zealander um I never imagined living in America it's not usually something that New Zealand is the place that we like are, they don't like, inspire too, to. too excited about going to live in <laughs> yeah yeah um but um but Sri Chimoy was based in New York um I went to visit him twice a year every year from the moment I started meditating we have celebrations or gatherings of his students from all around the world in New York City and so I um basically I had all these plans to go traveling in Asia and India and everything and I just ended up like for you know for many years just traveling to New York City and that was you know so fulfilling to be able to be in his presence and with you know with this international family from all over the world and I you know got to make so many friends with people from countries that I'd never heard of before and um yeah so you know we have this big international family which is great and then um and the year 2011, I'm from the city of Christchurch. We had a big earthquake in our city. And um, so the restaurant that I was managing was closed down and um, it has since reopened. But um, I came and spent some time and spent some extended time in America. And then I, um, in 2012, I did the took part in the American Peace Run. It's one of the Sri Chinmoy's visions called the Sri Chinmoy Oneness Home Peace Run. And so I always say that I kind of got tricked into falling in love with America because I went all around, you know, I spent three months going all around the United States and I just met so many wonderful people and had a really, yeah, a really incredible time. And then I just got, yeah, in, in my heart, I, I got such a strong feeling that this was where I was meant to be then, like a couple of years later, I won the green card lottery and, um, <laughs> and I became quite involved with the peace run. And so, um, yeah, that's how I've, yeah. And I've, I've been really blessed by, I feel like I've been really blessed by America. I'm, you know, of course I'm still really proud to be a New Zealander, but there's, um, yeah, I've met so many wonderful people here and had so many wonderful opportunities and we have a big street in my center in um, in New York. So I'm based there, but, um, yeah, I have friends all around the United States as well. And I really enjoy going, yeah, going on the peace run and, you know, meeting, meeting all these wonderful people in America. So yeah, that's how I got here. It's just so interesting. Um, that like, like I told you at, uh, at lunch that, you know, I had the 3,100 came into my awareness, I don't know, not that long ago, but that there was this whole thing that was happening with 
meditation and athletics and, um, you know, all of course spearheaded by, uh, Sri Chinmoy. Tell us a little bit more about, cause it wasn't just running. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did mention it was a weightlifter, but I mean, he was so much more than that as we're sitting in this beautiful room at the Noble Learning Center right now in Normal Heights, San Diego. And we're surrounded by this gorgeous artwork, which you said is, um, from him. And this is not his full collection. <laughs> right. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, you know, as we're starting to wrap this up, we're getting to um, our hour, which went by so fast. I'd love to hear just a little bit more about um, how this guy was really just blowing minds all over the place with the his abilities. Right. Well, I mean, there's so much you could say about Sri Chinmoy, but he, um, everything, everything that he did, um, I guess came down to him trying to really really just trying to do everything he could to inspire and encourage humanity to to be the best that they could be so that you know so that we as individuals could be happy and fulfilled and peaceful and make the world more peaceful and make the most progress that we could make and so he felt that um that everybody is inspired by different things. We're all different souls. We're all unique. We all have something different to offer. And that if you just, if he just did one thing, then that would just inspire one, you know, well, you know, you know, a certain kind of person. So he, um, he, I, I guess he was just, he wanted to, he really lived what he, you know, what he really lived his philosophy. So his philosophy was that as human beings, we are unbounded. We have so much capacity. There's so many different ways for the soul to express itself and in through this human body. And, um, you know, so he was, an, he, you know, he expressed his soul's qualities through art, through music, through writing, through, um, yeah, through running and sport, through weightlifting and, you know, just to kind of really show. And even in the weightlifting world, he lifted all different kinds of things. He lifted like the you know the like the the fattest person in the world, <laughs> the tiniest horse, the biggest horse, the biggest pumpkin, you know, like cars. Like he lifted Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. He lifted people. Yeah. He, did he lift Gorbachev? Because you said he really liked Gorbachev. I think, I think Gorbachev's wife did not let him lift <laughs> him. Lift him. Yeah. I heard he lifted a plane. He lifted yeah. eight hundred pounds with one arm. He lifted seven thousand pounds with one arm. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that was after the eight hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was yeah. That was a that was a few weeks after. the But 800. it's not like he wrote one book. He wrote over a thousand books, like mm-hmm. d- you know, almost thirty thousand songs, a mm-hmm. hundred thousand you know pieces of art, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and still had time to meditate every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was. You can't conceive of all of the things that he did, and he still had um, so much time to spend with every person that he met and so much love and concern for humanity and he had pets you know he had all these he had dogs and all different kinds of animals he was just like yeah he just he was like the living embodiment of the the possibilities that we have as human beings when we practice meditation and when we go beyond the mind and when we tap into this like endless you know endless source of energy and creativity and self-offering that we have and um yeah, you know, he just, but it was, it all came back to just, just to trying to inspire people and, you know, to, through his own outpouring, just, just showing 
how much we all have. And he was never he was never saying I can do this and you can't. You know, he was he was also always saying, you know, it's only because of my meditation and because of my spirituality that I'm able to do this. And if you practice prayer and meditation, if you believe in yourself, if you really identify with your soul, if you you know you know transcend yourself and you know be the best aspire and um really pray to be able to do something for humanity then we're all yeah we're all unbound and we all have but but that we're all different as well we're not all meant to go out and run 3100 miles he never said that you know but he was you know that's I guess one of the aspects of it that I um that is the most fulfilling and the reason that I would do it the most do the 3100 is is that I see how much it inspires people not to go out and run 3,100 miles, but to in their own lives do something more that will give them satisfaction and fulfillment. And so that, yeah. Yeah, and whatever that, whatever that thing is, it could be 3,100 miles, could be three miles a week, could be whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's just the element or the pursuit to do something bigger than we think, bigger than the mind can conceive. Did he ever... Did he ever share anything about complacency and the comfort of, you know, or being challenged with the comfort of what is? Because I think that, in my opinion, that's what's holding us back from pursuing anything big is like, this is fine for right now. This is fine. Well, he just made it really obvious that we're not going to be happy feeling that way. (laughs) Yeah, he was very, very dynamic. At the same time, he wasn't, um, it wasn't, in a, in a stressful, you know, or a frantic kind of way, you know, he was like, you know, he had songs for everything. So he has one song, be not frantic, be dynamic, you know, but he was very, he, he was, he was definitely into, you know, really, really valuing time and really doing, you know, following, following your heart's inspiration. He said, you can't wait for the inspiration bird to land on your hand. You have to like reach out and grab it, you know? So it's like, if you have the inspiration, to do something, do it, take action. He said it's so much better to take action and to make mistakes than, you know, so, and to, than to, than to not, you know, than to sit around thinking about it and not do it. And he was, he was not at all worried about perfection. He was like, perfection will come just like, you know, do, yeah, follow your inspiration, be brave, be, um, (laughs) be daring, just try, you know, just try things. And it doesn't matter if you make mistakes, it doesn't, you can do it again and again. And eventually just through action, you will, you will make progress. You'll find the right way. You know, you can, yeah, you, you might go this way, then this way, then this way. And then finally you're like, oh, it's meant to go that way, but it's much better to do that. And I think he, I think he said something about America in some ways of like, of really being like that, like, you know, and he really loved that about America, that it's like people might make a lot of mistakes, but they're really, you know, eventually, eventually they'll get there because they are, you know, there is like dynamism and there's this real forward movement as this eagerness and enthusiasm to, to move forward. And so, um, he, yeah, he loved that. He loved that about America. He said, like, you know, he's from India. He loved, he loves his country, but he said it's like, there's like Indian bullet cart speed or that it's all kind of like, you know, there's endless time, you know, whereas in America, it's like, you have to get there now. You have to do it now. And that, that dynamism, he, he talked a lot about the integration of the East and the West. So integrating the best of both and the, that the predominant quality of the Western world is dynamism. And then of the Eastern world obviously is spirituality and so like for those that they need to come together for us to like you know yeah move forward as humanity and to yeah to be the best that we can be 
Well, I love that it ties together two things that we're so passionate about and, you know, moving the body and training mm-hmm. the mind mm-hmm. and the two can work together and mm-hmm. then you can build this unstoppable, uh, invincible, um, mindset. Well, we, yeah, we need, we need both to be, yeah, mm. to be, for, to have peace in ourselves, to have peace in the world, to be happy, to, yeah, to move, to move forward. We, yeah, we need them both. So someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, I don't have faith in humanity right now. I'm, I'm kind of drowning over here. I don't think things are, are feeling, you know, they don't feel good to me. How can they begin to, or how would you uh, share how someone can start, start a practice, start a practice and beginning to touch, touch into that heart, um, what they love, what they dream and, and trying to figure, start figuring that out. Mm, I mean, yeah, just, I, I would never be able to have hope for, huma- for humanity without my practice of meditation. But when you, when you do meditate, um, it's, it's naturally, it's like, like attracts like. So if you just start, um, you know, start with deep breathing, start with being still, start with, you know, really trying to bring peace just you know even breathing in peace breathing out stress um is like such a you know just starting with your breath like just starting really simply um you'll see that it's it's not by thinking about and focusing on all of your negativities that you get rid of them but it's really by instead taking your focus off the negative things and focusing on the light that you have within yourself and focusing on your you know the the good qualities and so it's um yeah, I think it's something that kind of secretly builds if you just start by, um, by I mean, have, starting a practice of meditation, starting just, you know, even for a small amount of time, like sitting, sitting still and really, you know, believing that you have some light and some peace and believing that you can just breathe it in and you can expand it inside yourself and then... Um, you know, in your life, like, yeah, challenging yourself in some way, you know, if you, if you, if you really meditate or not on it, there'll be something that you can do that would, that would give you joy, that would be good for you, you know, like some, and in in terms of sport, I mean, just the benefits even of going out for a half an hour walk are incredible compared to nothing, you know, like it's, it's incredible. So just starting to do something that you, but something that you like, you know, something that you're inspired about or take up a new sport or do something that, yeah, something that moves your body. And um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, Amazing, and then ultimately, um, I mean, there's so many different things you can do, but we all have something that we can offer to the world, and it doesn't have to be something big. It can be something small, but um, you know, the famous quote of um, Kennedy, you know, it's, <laughs> well, that's not what you know, it's not what the world can do for you, but what you can do for the world. And so, like, instead of thinking what can what can the world give me, you know, what can I have to make me feel better? Think, you know, what can I you know, what can I offer to the world? Even your smile, you know, even through, you know, even in the smallest way, there's always something that we can offer. And that, that really gives us so much more, gives us real fulfillment if we can feel like we're offering something. 
So beautiful. Thank you. I think that's a wonderful way to sum it up and close it out. Um, it's been such a lovely afternoon with you, having lunch. Uh, if you're ever in uh, San Diego, this is down in Normal Heights. And tell us a little bit about the center and before we sign off here, because I want people, uh, if they're in the area, they can come and visit and have lunch and check out this learning center. Yeah. So um, we're at... Um Noble Learning. This is a um, relatively new little store. It has a lot of free meditation workshops here. Uh, it's in Normal Heights. Um, so you can look online. Um, there's also Shri Ch- the Sri Chinmoy Centre itself holds, we have a, like another learning space close by where we give free meditation workshops. And then Jyoti Bihanga Restaurant is right here. So, And then we also have a little peace garden down the road from um, just down the road from here where um, people can go and just sit and feel, yeah, feel, meditate and just feel peace. So, yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you so much, Harita. It's been, it's just been so lovely to meet you and to bring this podcast to fruition and, and to do it in person in this beautiful space. So thank you for inviting us down here and for traveling out to San Diego. That It just worked out so perfectly. <laughs> it did. And thank you. It's been, um, yeah, it's so, it's always so encouraging when you meet like-minded people and you know I feel I'm personally so blessed because I meet so many wonderful people (laughs) all of the time but to yeah to meet you guys and to yeah just to see how much your life philosophy and life mission aligns with mine and um you know and with that of the Sri Chimwe Centre and I guess I guess that's you know when you when you were saying about having hope for you know having hope for humanity um yeah, I think that if you can, if if you find something that you can do and you can put your energy into, then um, automatically, yeah, you just feel so much better about the world if you really feel like you can make a difference. And I've seen that everywhere, time and time again in so many ways. I've seen that people who are passionate about doing something, they can be working in the most devastating situations like a refugee camp in Syria, as we were talking about, and they can just be full of like hope for humanity. So, yeah, I, I feel, you know, yeah, like so blessed to see that this, and there are so many ways that we, that we can do something. So what you guys are doing, what we're doing, you know, we, we're all doing our little our little bit and all those little bits are, are adding up. Absolutely. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much. 